Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hi, guys. Uh, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the show. I was just uh, Googling something to see if I had it right, and I guess I did. One of those pieces of information that I held in my head but was never totally sure of, so I just looked it up. It has to do with mythology, which um, I know next to nothing about. Um, if, if a Jeopardy show is heavy on mythology, I'm I'm out. I am out. Don't know a thing. But I was sitting here thinking of uh, what news I had ingested in the last 24 hours, and um, and it it was as is always the case these days. It was uniformly. Frightening, depressing, horrific, um, and I, you know, I'm really not sure what to do with this uh, reality. I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I don't know what the best thing is for uh, me as a human, um, or uh, me as a citizen, or I. You can turn away. But that doesn't change anything other than your awareness of reality. Um, You can continue to observe and immerse yourself in what's going on and uh, grow uh, increasingly (laughs) despairing because you feel a, a rather large measure of powerlessness. Not that we are powerless, and damn it, if we would all individually embrace the power that we do have and then collectively uh, exercise it, we would be maybe less despairing. Uh, but the the word that came to me, uh, that what I am, I thought, what I have become and, and what my job seems to be, is that of a Cassandra, and that was the that was the Google I did because I thought I think Cassandra uh, means somebody who is you know going around saying oh oh my God woe is us yay um, and unlike Chicken Little is is correct is is a a a truthful doomsayer. That's what I thought. And I guess that's pretty much what it is. Any of you who know more about, uh, but yeah, it does say here pictures they have of her here. Not that she existed. Uh, she was a babe. So Cassandra was a Trojan priestess, uh, cursed to utter true prophecies but never to be believed. Oh, that's it. Okay. So I think increasingly, though, what I'm muttering and screaming from the rooftops about, um, I think is believed, at least 
by our cohort, uh, Max Boot, the former Republican, uh, wrote a piece that I happened to see this morning that is so despairing. (laughs) I mean, it essentially ends with, um, if the Democrats lose in 2022, which is very likely, if the Democrats lose in 2022 or 2024, which is also possible, um, he he says we will lose our democracy. And I agree with him. It'll be the death of our democracy. So 2022 is, as you know, right around the corner, uh, November, a little less so, but less than a year away, the election. And all all the polls show the American people are unhappy. Betcha. And uh, they don't like inflation. They don't like uh, the fact that Life hasn't returned to normal because the pandemic rages. Um, They don't like uh, anything. And I can't blame them. It's it's a pretty abysmal picture. But, of course, they blame blame the Democrats Uh, because whoever is perceived to be in power is then responsible, whether they are or not. We are in big trouble. And I, you know, I'm sorry, guys. I just don't, I don't have uh, uh, many comforting uh, thoughts or, or to share. I just don't. I think we're living in a terrifying time. And I, I think a lot of people on our side it really have uh, bailed out. not paying attention, not feeling the same urgency that we felt when Donald Trump was the president. I mean, that that became something you couldn't turn away from. And in, uh, and in retrospect, it's quite clear that Joe Biden won because Donald Trump was running against him. Without Donald Trump running, I don't know that Democrats win. And because of gerrymandering and people's sour disposition and their inability to see the broader and bigger uh, and terrifying picture, uh, the fact that Americans would continue to vote for Republicans when that party has become what it has become is the most frightening thing of all. So that's, that's where my fear resides. In reality, and then you know, as we walk, I, I, I just the Rittenhouse uh, jurors are uh, starting their third day of deliberations, which I guess is uh, good in that it shows that they're they are wrestling um, with what is, I guess. Uh, Seemingly complicated. <laughs> Most other places it wouldn't be complicated, but in America, a boy and go uninvited 
cross state lines to a to a a spot where he thinks trouble's going to be, and then he himself instigates the trouble. And his defense is that he felt threatened um, when he created the threat. It's it's the kind of thing that you know makes your head spin. It's madness. The Aubrey case, the same kind of thing. Three white vigilantes, self-appointed, gun-toting, killing someone who was no threat to them. I just, it's amazing, isn't it? And, uh, I I just think it'll be astonishing if that jury in Kenosha uh, convicts this guy. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but this, again, is typical of where we are and why uh, this Cassandra is uh, as despairing as she is. Um, So you have a guy who clearly killed two people. That's not in question. And uh, a Republican member of Congress said this yesterday. Kyle Rittenhouse would probably make a pretty good congressional intern. And I think we may reach out to him, see if he'd be interested in helping the country in additional ways. Can you imagine? People vote for this Republican Party, a member of whom, looking at an 18-year-old who has killed two people and grievously wounded a third, looks like fine, fine material to work on Capitol Hill and further help the country. Wow. That... uh, by the way, uh, that member of Congress was uh, none other uh, than the guy who is also under uh, investigation for crimes uh, that he himself may have uh, committed, uh, Matt Gates, Trump's favorites. So when our politics are at this level, you tell me where hope resides. And if anybody finds it, I mean it. I want to know. <laughs> I really do. I'm in in need. Uh, there was a, a piece in, um, I'm not sure who wrote that, Christine Emba in the Washington Post who said that, you know, the videos we've seen in um, of police uh, acting uh, murderously and uh, wantonly violent and irresponsible uh, have, have made what was known to black and brown people uh, in, in this country, but not to many whites. And uh, we now certainly know 
that uh, police injustice is is uh, real and uh, all too uh, familiar. But the writer here is saying that with the Rittenhouse trial and the Arbery trial, and in as much as cameras are now coming into courtrooms, we are now privy to how the racism and the abuse of power by the white people who yield it, wield it, uh, operates within the court system as well. And so watching the Rittenhouse trial, which I know many people have, uh, people with stronger stomachs than I, you see that justice in this country is uh, very elusive uh, many times, especially because of the racism endemic in the system and the fact that the system is overwhelmingly composed of white men. Uh, this article says that the judge in the Rittenhouse case, uh, he just seems tailor-made to remind us that the vast majority of state-level judges that control so much of our justice system and the lives of people who encounter that system are elected by people who don't have a clue. And I'm looking at you and me. They're elected. And in the case of this judge, he's elected over and over and over again and never facing any opposition. And they don't get these roles because they have been judged to be experts in in uh, judicial thought. They're, they've got these cushy, powerful positions that in many cases, many, many cases, especially in Pennsylvania, with this every 10 years they have to stand for retention. And that's just a life life terms over and over given to them by we, uh, the people. And you see how black people fare in these courts. And you see how white people fare in these courts. The fact that an almost all white jury is allowed in the Aubrey trial is, is mind-blowing. 2021, Georgia, you can still try three white men for lynching a black man and have essentially an all-white jury, one poor black soul made it on. Fascinating to see. And as we see, unfortunately, the result is is that we lose confidence in respect for and a sense of legitimacy 
or the institution of our judiciary. And we know that one of the ways that a country falls apart is when the people no longer trust their institutions. And we see Americans not trusting their institutions coming from both the right end of the spectrum and the left. Everybody looks and says, yeah, this ain't working. But uh, when I was thinking of the Rittenhouse jurors and the case and this disgusting judge and then the Aubrey case with the defense attorney, just absolutely, it's just beyond belief in this day and age, uh, <coughs> squawking about uh, about allowing black ministers into the courtroom. It's mind-blowing. But that white defense attorney is coming from where so many whites in this country are coming from. They see a black person and they see a threat. They don't see a man of the cloth. They see a threat. They say intimidate. They see intimidation. That's why they kill him all the time. I felt threatened. There was this black person. I'm immediately threatened. Incredible. And then I came upon this case today about, well, it's another white, young defendant, a guy. And this is in uh, New York State. And he raped four girls who had been lured to his home for a party. It was a known party house. This is in a fancy schmancy rich area, Nassau County. The kid is 20 years old, committed the crimes when he was 16 and 17. The girl's younger than that. He was charged, actually pled guilty. He finally got, uh, I guess, sentenced. Don't ask me why. He was charged with felonies of rape and attempted first-degree sexual assault, misdemeanor charges, all this kind of stuff. He faced eight years in prison, which seems a little low to me. And then the judge said this at his sentencing. The white male judge said this about the nice white boy sitting in front of him, the defendant, the rapist. He said, I'm not ashamed to say that I actually prayed over what is the appropriate sentence in this case because there was a great pain. There was great harm. There were multiple crimes committed. It seems to me that a sentence that involves incarceration is not appropriate. 
So I am going to sentence you to probation. This kid admitted to raping these girls in his home, and he walks. Again, we'll do the exercise. Imagine this was a black kid. He raped. Yeah, I, would the judge be praying and come to the and come to the uh, the prayerful conclusion that a kid who rapes four girls should not? Spend a day in jail. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. One of the girls who was sitting there in the courtroom ran out of the courtroom and threw up. Because the reality is if this rich, white kid had not been a rich white kid from an influential family, he'd be in jail. And if he were black, he'd be in jail for the rest of his life. This is how our justice system works. Or doesn't. Obviously, there. if you do have a system where there are people who are either appointed or in some way given this extraordinary authority, and uh, there is always going to be a subjective nature to the pronouncements that they hand down, but to not see that white people Rich people have an entirely different reception in court than do black people and poor people and brown people and people that the powers of the court do not see as part of their tribe. There was another story I saw, some poor old black guy, right, being uh, let out of prison after, I don't even know where this was, how long he spent, most of he looked like an old man, he probably went in as a kid, he'd finally been exonerated. Mm-hmm. For that matter, the two guys who spent uh, most of their lives in prison for the murder of Malcolm X have now been exonerated. One can't enjoy the moment, he's dead. The other is very old. This is our justice system that regularly, regularly, hands down, we're unbelievably harsh judgments on black people because they're threatening, okay? They're even threatening when they're in jail. So they get tased and stuck in restraining chairs and hooded and tortured. Yeah, black people. 
I'm sorry. That's our reality. I'm sorry. What am I getting here? Am I, uh, oh, excuse me. I'm just trying to get control of my phone. I have, uh, <clears throat> have a caller. That's what I was trying to find. Is he still there? Because if he is, he should say hello. 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 Yes. Um, you're saying about the polls earlier. I don't buy any poll right now. I could care less what any poll says a year away, for one thing. Another thing is Virginia and New Jersey have been lost by the party that wasn't in power or the party in power since mm-hmm. Reagan. So that there is not that's a fluke. That's no big hurrah for the Republicans. And another thing is in twenty twenty four I guarantee you, I guarantee it, that Trump will not become president. For the simple reason is the party is fractured. And the party, they're, they're going to be siphoned off votes. Whoever runs again, there's going to be a different nominee. But they're not, it's going to be hard for them to win the presidency. Now, they could win the other parts because they, they've got it so redistricted in that. Now, I'm not sure about the Senate. I think the Senate's in good shape for a Democrat. But... I do think they'll probably lose the House in 2022. I think it's a short-term game, but the long-term <clears throat> Democrats will come ahead, and I don't believe we'll lose our democracy. I, I just don't believe that because of the simple reason we won't put up with it. We will have civil violence. It will turn ugly, and it will not – if we have to kill one in it kill one another, we will not put up with some guy that gets in there saying, well, I'm president until I die, and then my daughter can be president or whoever can be. We're just not going to put up with it. That's just how we are. I believe that with all my soul. I really do. Now, that's how I feel about the whole thing. All right. I won't point out that if we start killing each other that the other side has the guns already. No, so do we. We have guns too. But the Democrats have just as many guns. I that that's no, such a don't. falsehood. I, I know so many Democrats that have You have a gun? Do you have a gun? I don't. I've had guns. Uh, I don't I don't believe in guns, but I bet you get a gun. Uh, what do I need a gun for? <laughs> well, if you're gonna start it, killing Americans, you better have I'm them. not going to, but I think people will. I do really think they won't put up with it. I yeah. I'll stay out of it. Well, now, wait. So you can't say everybody else is going to take to the barricades and you're not going to. I just to. don't think – I'm not going to well, do something. I'm going to go around killing people. You know? I mean, it's just uh, – Kill them. Yeah, you listen, we are, we are definitely at a point where it is – I think TV exaggerates. You can imagine. Well, listen, everybody's exaggerating everything because it draws a crowd. The loudest voices are exaggerated. The peacekeepers get no attention whatsoever. The uh, the the fact that uh, the media is carping about Biden is because he's not good for business. I mean, there. Oh, business. I disagree. There, he doesn't draw a crowd. He's not. Oh, you mean for the media? Yeah. Well, the yeah, he's not. No, yeah, he doesn't draw a crowd, and they live on crowds. 
And so, you know, we're, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. You, I've said this a million times. I, I, I don't share your, your hopefulness. I don't. I wish I did. I, I just don't. I don't see I it sleep better. that completely. All right. I'm not going to say it's going right. to be any, turn out to be something great because it never will. It'll just go chug along at its same old well. stupid pace and win some, lose some. I just, I just don't believe that. I, right. I really think that Trump party and Trumpism will be there always, but it'll just be smaller and beat down. After the, give it a few cycles and it'll be gone. It really will. There'll be still Trump. I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteeing they will be gone. Those idiots. They will be. They'll be still around, but they won't be like they're actually right now. They're losing their momentum. You have 12 Demo- Republicans that voted with the Democrats. What's that? If everybody's taken over by the Trump party, I'll come. Yeah, but all the those 12 Republicans are now, you know, on the receiving end of death threats. Well, and, they're um, fracture. There's the fraction. Well, the, Those twelve <laughs> most re, most of these elected uh, Republicans don't have the guts that those twelve had. They don't have the guts to put their lives on the line because they know their base has enough lunatics in it to carry it out. You don't think Liz Cheney or somebody else would run independent against Donald Trump? No, well, they she, will. They'll fracture him. That he will not get him. They'll take one well, for we'll the see. team. We'll see. They will. We'll see. It will. They don't want him in there. That there's a portion we'll of the see. party don't want him. And you have to win the whole party. He only has a small, and it's dwindling. It's dwindling. You know, but he she's not the Republican. She's excommunicated. That they don't matter. allow it's just people another like fracture. All right, whatever. Part of the we'll party, though. Okay. okay. I, I really do. I, I don't think. All right. We'll I, see. Yeah, no, I think they could win the House the next time. That because they've got that so damn redistricted. Hell yeah, they're going to win that unless we get a lot of people to come out. Another thing, <laughs> I just can't see this completely throwing it in and saying okay. it's over. I just, I just all can't. right. I, well, good. This is not well, then, to do that. That's yeah. fine. Then you hold up the hopeful end. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Bye. Right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yep. Bye. Yeah, yeah. I've sent something to myself a long time ago, and I, I haven't even opened it. It says menace enters the Republican mainstream. But yeah, that's where the Republicans are now. I, you know, we've talked about this. It's not unusual that uh, I talked about the guy at this uh, Republican rally and I think it was Idaho uh asking the speaker uh how many elections are we going are they going to steal before we kill these people when do we start using our guns and it was greeted that question was greeted with cheers and uh agreement um this and then you had uh, the spectacle uh yesterday of uh, the white nationalist uh, representative Gosar, who as puts out a uh, a animated uh, bit of uh, of him uh, slashing the throat of uh, AOC, a fellow member of Congress, and then going after Biden. And the Republicans are telling us it was, we can't take a joke. (laughs) 
Um, do you remember when, who was, what was that? It was Kathy Griffin, is that her name? When she posed with a, 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 what appeared to be, was it a severed head of Trump or something? You know, her career was destroyed. She was put on the no-fly list. She was, she was identified as a potential terrorist. It was considered a death threat. But if it's Republicans doing this kind of thing, and a member of Congress, and you saw how many Republicans said that that was a terrible thing to have done? Who? Neither of whom will win as a Republican again. And so if the Republicans take the House in less than a year, and Kevin McCarthy is elevated to the speakership, he threatened yesterday there'll be payback. So you can imagine what a circus this, this will be. They will censure every Democrat for, you know, looking cross-eyed at anybody. Uh, they will remove them. It's going to, our, 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 I'm sorry, guys, it's coming apart. But violent threats against lawmakers and public officials are now happening at such an extraordinary rate. And it's threats coming from the Republicans. Now, this kind of political violence in America is, granted, not true. I mean, not true. Not, not new. Excuse me. It's happened many times. There have been, uh, you know, someone was almost killed on the floor of the Congress uh, once, attacked by a fellow uh, congressperson. But since Trump, this uh, menacing embrace of violence, which we saw in him as a candidate, has been so eagerly sopped up by the party so that we get to a point where Gosar, a congressman, can uh, show him essentially killing a fellow congressional representative. And what it, anyone who knows about how the way politics are performed has a great impact on how the people then show their politics. And so, because things have gotten so crass under Trump and so ugly, you don't even blink. I was walking the dog yesterday and came around a corner and there's a house and it's flying an American flag. And next to it, they're flying a flag that says, fuck Biden. Oh, that people would proudly <laughs> put out a flag. I, I, it's it, it, it's mind-blowing. And people who study political violence 
are um, they're being very Cassandra-like about what 2022 and 2024 are going to bring. Uh, here is one. He's a oh, what is he? I don't know what he is. He says I have a hard time seeing how we have a peaceful 2024 election. I don't see the rhetoric being turned down. I don't see the conflicts going away. I really do think it's hard to see how it gets better. Um, and we know that when you start showing depictions of violence, that some people carry it out in reality. It's, it, it's something. So, I'm sorry. I just, guys, and I didn't want to do so much of the show being so negative. Here's a great story I saw. Maybe you did too, but I got to share it with you because it it made me laugh. And you know what? We could all use a laugh. This is uh, this was in the Week magazine, and it's about a guy. Uh, they don't give his full name, but his first name is Dylan, and um, he lives out in California, and he lives near uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain theme park, and what he did, he got an idea, and I mean, it's Six Flags offers a dining pass, an annual dining pass that if you give them $150 up front, they'll give you the pass and you can pay for meals with that pass for a year, $150. So this guy, Dylan, bought the pass and then proceeded to eat almost every meal for a year at Six Flags Magic Mountain. Mm, I'm sure the food's really good there. He ate over 2,000 meals there. Oh, excuse me, not just for a year, excuse me. Oh my God! Over seven years. God almighty. And he saved enough money in those seven years to pay off his college loans and buy a house. (laughs) I can't imagine that he didn't gain about 5,000 pounds. He was eating all that processed fast food like wrap. And he could, he went there for lunch. He could get back there and back to work. Then he'd stop there for dinner on his way home. And he did gain weight, it says here. And I guess he's still doing it. But don't you think if you were Six Flags and this story got out, that that you might rethink um, the $150 annual dining pass? Uh, man, seven years, 
2,000 meals. But he paid off his student loans and bought a house. I'm just wanting to share that with you. That's good. And then this other wonderful story, which I saw uh, once on TV, but then it was reprinted in the Washington Post, and I'm sure you know it too, but it's just such a wonderful story about this woman named Wanda Dench, who six years ago was getting her Thanksgiving together and uh, texted her grandson. Um, And... Unfortunately, she put the wrong number in. And so the guy who got the text inviting him to Thanksgiving, uh, which she had signed grandma, you know, come on, having a great Thanksgiving, you're coming, grandma. And the guy who got it said, replied the text saying, grandma, I have a picture. And she sends a selfie of herself to the person she had mistakenly texted. And he then wrote back, you not my grandma, and then added a laughing emoji. And then he said, but can I still get a plate though? And she writes back, of course you can. That's what grandmas do. And he shows up at her Thanksgiving six uh, years ago. He had to drive 25. He, he lived in Arizona and she lived uh, well, in Mesa and he lived in, in uh, Phoenix. And this invitation, which had gone awry, has yielded a now six-year friendship, uh, a genuine friendship. And he's a young guy. I don't know. I, I never see his age here. He's a young black guy, and she's uh, Jamal Hinton is her his name, and her name is Wendy Dench. And now they just get together all the time. Her husband has since died of COVID, which put a real damper on things because he had been one of the central people in in all of this. But they continue this because they're now family. And there's something wonderful about that they take a picture every year and it's uh, now a very mixed looking family including the grandson that she thought she was inviting uh the first time he's always there too of course and has come to know the mistaken uh grandson i love it roger writes my wife and her liberal brother inherited their NRA father's guns, handguns and army rifles. He took a gun safety class followed by target shooting. 
frighteningly, we easily hit the bullseye with very tight grouping with all the different style guns. I'm not sure if this is good or bad. Well, that's good news. I mean, if you're going to have a gun and you're going to shoot it, it, it's best if you can use it as it was intended, which is to hit a target. As you know, I went to a shooting range right near here in Green Bay uh, a few years back at my brother's hectoring and, uh, and managed to hurt myself. Uh, but after an initial bad shot, I, where somebody explained a little more how to sight, how to use the handgun, how to sight it, I then was hitting, yeah, almost, almost bullseyes. It wasn't, it wasn't that hard, but I injured myself because the first time I shot it, I was not ready for that kick back and my hand, my, my hand came up, I think, all I know is a very hot shell casing went down my blouse. <laughs> I had a burn. I had a, I managed to burn myself. So that can happen. Who knew? Um, I want to uh, note that right now, as I saw this on my Twitter feed, that there are hundreds of employees of UPMC that are on the street outside the hospital, I I believe Presby. And it is a one-day work stoppage. Obviously, just 100 people walking is not, you know, I don't know. I imagine things are still... Uh, able to function, but it is clinical staff. There are surgical technicians and certified nursing assistants uh, along with um, non-clinical people like food and transportation workers, and they're out there demanding a living wage and the ability to form a union without the constant and uh, antagonistic tactics and interference of UPMC uh, management. They want more affordable health insurance. Wow. Isn't this something? And they want 20 bucks an hour. We are overworked, we are underpaid, and we are stressed out, and UPMC doesn't care. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think that's a probably very truthful statement. Some of these people who work there do not make enough money to pay their own medical bills. Despite working for, oh yeah, UPMC, you know, choose your doctor as if your life depended on it or whatever the hell. Yeah, right. Now, I guess this group's going to be down at uh, the UPMC uh, headquarters on Grant uh, this afternoon, and they will be joined there by Lieutenant Governor 
John Fetterman, and also, I guess, uh, Representative Summer Lee. And as you know, they are both candidates, one for the Senate to succeed Toomey and uh, Lee to uh, succeed, always saying coin or Doyle. I get them mixed up and have since I moved to Pittsburgh. Two Irish politician names. Anyway, they did all this by the book. They alerted uh, everything they're doing here is totally legal. They, uh, the, what is happening out there today with this walkout is a federally protected labor activity uh, for which they cannot be fired or punished. But you can bet a lot of folks didn't necessarily believe that or there'd be a few hundred more out there. I have no idea what the the crowd size is, uh, but I think for a lot of people, that would be a, a scary thing to engage uh, in. So, trying to think what, what else. So how's your Christmas shopping uh, going, guys? I want to tell you, um, I I know that like shopping uh, online is supposed to be so wondrous because you just click, 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 and 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 then it arrives like a day or two later, half the time, and um, and you don't even have to pay for the shipping half the time or more than half the time. And who wouldn't love that? Well, I don't. I use it very sparingly. Um, And I try so hard to avoid using Amazon. Because why should I be part of destroying all those little shops that I love to shop in? Why would I be party to that? And all I want to do is suggest to you, even with the pandemic, <laughs> that it would be just wonderful if you could um, pledge to try to do some of that shopping at smaller venues that are somehow managing to hang on with all these huge capitalistic economic forces coming down on them. Don't buy books, God Almighty, online. Go to, there's so many wonderful independent bookshops in Pittsburgh. It's wonderful. And if they don't have a book, they'll order it for you, right? I, I hope you can, if you're capable of it, uh, do that. Because I just, I just don't want to be part of making. I, I know it's I'm, I'm I'm like a somebody trying to yeah stick my my finger in a hole in the in the dam um, when. Many others are 
are forming. I, I, I know it's a, don't have a shot, do I? But the best gifts are ones that you come upon and find and they're, 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 they're offered by little shops. Um, and not friggin' leviathans. Um, so I'm just hoping that you'll remember that at least with books, don't let them. They already, I mean, remember, I mean, even big, humongous people like Barnes and Noble got crushed by Amazon in large part. What was the other one? There was another, I, you can't support a system in which there's only going to be one guy standing. Never liked Monopoly. Uh, never did. So I hope that you'll try to be a little more thoughtful and uh, support your local. <laughs> I'm serious. Support your local shops, not chains, shops. I uh, I had a uh, uh, what do you call her? She's my uh, niece in law, <laughs> niece in law, who when I I sought out her her advice about what her children, you know, you lose track of where kids are and what they're into, and you don't you don't want to get something that they'll groan and their eyes will roll around in their head. I had an aunt who. Um, my Aunt Dorothy long gone, who always sent me gifts for like birthdays or Hanukkah that we would just laugh at because it was so not what I, I mean, she didn't have a sense of what I might like. There was the one I'll never forget uh, was uh, like, it looked like about a eight inch Blown up tampon. I'm not kidding. Only it was encrusted with like pearls or something or something, you know, some kind of jewels. And it had a little zipper on the top and it was a little like evening purse. So, you know, it had the little string on the top. And I know when I pulled that thing out, we I just howled. First of all, I never got dolled up like that. I would never use it. So you don't want to be the aunt or the grandparent or the who gives a kid something that becomes, you know, it's a joke. So I, uh, I asked for some help. And man, she's organized. She gave me sizes. She gave me of clothing, of books, of this, of toys, of what level, of yada yada, shoe sizes. I mean, it was... It was so much information. It was mind-blowing. But at least I knew I could then get something that the kids uh, would like. And I I started trying to do it online because she even had, she even had, uh, you know, you could click on where 
you could find the specific item which she knew her child would like. And so that took me down the rabbit hole of uh, online shopping in which I immediately became so tangled up and mucked up, especially with an Etsy purchase, that to this day, and I've told her, I don't know if I bought that or not. I threw up my hands eventually and put on my mask and I went out and I went uh, Christmas shopping, Hanukkah shopping. They call it Hanamas because they're a, a split uh, religion family. Okay, so I think, is that it? Is that all there is? I think maybe... As soon as I uh, finish up here, I'm going to W-A-L-K, the D-O-G, who just opened one eye when I said that, so I guess he's starting to spell. And I'll have to come up with something else. And my brother's dog is still gone. Um, there was one possible sighting, but it didn't sound right. And... Um, there is some woman now who's known in Ann Arbor for miraculously finding lost dogs who's working on it. He's even put up cameras in some places. I can't imagine. So um, I do not come from a family of optimists, which I think you've picked up on. But I, um, I have this just sliver, sliver of hope. really do because it's awful anyway man Susan's coming here tomorrow and I can't wait because I am not a domesticated woman I never have been whenever I appeared to do anything domestic my father would get this big smile on his face and and say, well, look, how domestic of you. He would, you know, razz me because it's just not who I am. So being here for a week and having to take Susan's place means I've been cooking meals and cleaning up and doing this and doing that. And you know what? I'm exhausted. I don't like it. And I'm not eating as well as I would if Susan had come. So she's coming. And my brother, who you would think might be a help. <laughs> oh, dear God in heaven. Incredible. But it's nice. And I'm very lucky to be able to be an old codger and uh, spend time with my old codger brother and my old codger sister and our even codgier mom. I know how lucky I am. So I'll be here another week and be tailing it back to, I didn't think this out very clearly because I'll be traveling ugh, uh, on one of those days you don't want to do long distance car travel, um, which would be Thanksgiving weekend, right? And uh, man, the horrors of the Ohio Turnpike where 
one lane ahead. And everything, of course, comes to a complete stop. Again, because of human nature, because technically it doesn't have to. You know, it's just that humans, uh, we don't know how to, um, what is that? I mean, I know there's people who study this, engineers and traffic engineering and stuff like that, but, uh, Lord, I'm babbling, as you can tell. Okay, just, I was just trying to fill the time and also avoid going for a WALK with my DOG because it's cold out there this morning, man. But, hi guys, I'm really sorry. I feel like I'm, I feel out of sorts here. I mean, for a lot of reasons, physically, um, mentally, I'm not getting the kind of, you know, I'm just, it'll be better when I get back to Pittsburgh. Okay? Uh, be well, be careful for God's sake. I think we've let down our guard. Be careful. And it's flu season too. Get your flu shots. And I'll stop hectoring you and say goodbye. Just be safe. Thank you. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.